We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Tom Thayer, Chicago Bears radio analyst. There was one time we were playing Tampa short yards goal line. I was in the end zone waiting for Harbaugh to throw me the ball. Instead of throwing the ball, he ran it in. And I go, Jim, you could have padded your stats by throwing me a one-yard pass. He goes, I know, but I thought you would drop it. (laughs) You think you had good hands? I I know I did. 41-12. Look at these things. 1985 Super Bowl champion. Walter Payton, Mike Ditka, Hungry Chicago, finally champions on this January day in New Orleans. Tom Thayer with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Bears. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It is humbling to be in the presence of the great man, even if it is only over a telephone line. But we are delighted to welcome Tom Thayer to the program. He joins us on the Signature Bank Score Hotline, Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. Tom, we're not worthy, but we're delighted. Good morning to you, sir. Well, this is more than a telephone line. This is a friendship line. So let's do some uh, Bob Newhart type of psychological look back and see what we're all thinking. (laughs) Well, I just want to say thank you for saying that. Um, All right, Tom. So listen, it was awful, the the 10-game losing streak. It's awful. To, uh, to wind up with 14 losses, the most in uh, team history. It was a real difficult finish to the season, but the fact of the matter is that the payoff ends up being better than anybody thought because Lovey Smith comes through. Somehow they throw a Hail Mary and the ball goes between a guy's hands uh-huh. and you get a touchdown, you go for two, and now here the Bears are, and they're on the clock, right? I mean, the Bears have the number one pick in the draft. That is pretty extraordinary. Well, Ryan Poles right now is the most popular sports figure in the city of Chicago, and everybody's going to dissect and talk about his decision, what's going to happen come the April draft and even a little bit of free agency movement before then. But, you know, you got to see what you do with it. I mean, is there a guy that you're so convicted that you're willing to take him at that pick? To me, I I wish I could trade it for three picks within the top 45 somehow, and get multiple guys, and Ryan's already proved that if he's convinced that a second-year cornerback can be a starter, a safety, a, a later in the draft offensive lineman like Braxton Jones, if you know he's done a nice job of you know bringing these guys aboard, and then a later uh, the late returns on Valus and stuff like that. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where Ryan is motivated to to use the draft collateral that he has this year. So Tom Mullen and I getting a little bit pushback on the text lines and Twitch stream about not necessarily doing cartwheels over the fact the bears finished three and 14. They do have the number one overall pick and that's great. But I just wonder what is the proper balance to strike here in terms of coming off a season that has been as woeful as it has been knowing and, and securing a spot at the top of the draft that signifies hope. I mean, 
the only thing is, is signify hope is where you have an opportunity to pick and then ultimately what you do with it. It's it's no great shake. It's no reward to be the first pick in the team. I mean, the first pick in the draft. I mean, that is, you know, last night when we were doing game night live with Louis, says the Bears have earned uh, the first round draft choice. You didn't earn it. That's what you're granted for having such a miserable season. So um, I just got to believe that the coaches have to have their uh, player exit interviews, uh, you know, go through the roster and see who is a legitimate candidate to be here for the future and, you know, who may be considered right now a camp body. But um, when you look at the draft and you look at what they have, you know, this is probably a draft that you have to come away with five starters. And if they all start next year, you know, they'll, they'll grow in terms of the season. But, um, you know, you didn't have any 100-yard receiver. The sack differential was so overwhelming that you have to get that, that thing situated, and that takes the offensive-defensive line. So, uh, like I said, Ryan Poles is going to be an interesting guy to follow for the next four months. This segment with Tom Thayer is brought to you by Horizon Therapeutics, a global biotech company going to incredible lengths. Tom, you say that they didn't have a, a five hundred, excuse me, a, a, a thousand yard receiver. They didn't have a five hundred no, yard receiver. They didn't until, have a receiver that yeah. caught a hundred yards in a game. Right, and and until until yesterday, they weren't going to have a five hundred yard receiver. But mercifully, they ended up uh, getting some. Yardage from uh, from Cole Komet, so they have a hundred yard receiver. Excuse me, a five hundred yard receiver. That is hardly what you know. Your tight end. That is hardly what you're looking for in the modern NFL. I mean, that is a a shocking low kind of statistic. And a, a I think he needed thirteen yards to get there. He got fifty seven yards receiving in that game. That's just. That's a crazy statistic that they got one guy with 500 yards receiving. I, I mean, that's that that has to put everything kind of under um, under some sort of um, consideration. Well, you know, listen to our so your leading sacker is a defensive back. Um, you, your leading rusher is your quarterback, and you don't have a receiver that had 100 yards receiving in in the game. And you talk about what Cole was able to contribute to the receiving numbers. Um, you know, the 3,000 yards of rushing, you know, it's nice to talk about, but it does, it's not impressive when you talk about how much the quarterback accounted for those rushing yards. And um, so, uh, listen, I like Dave Montgomery and I like Khalil Herbert. Uh, if, you know, Justin has to turn into the passing quarterback that's needed in every offense in the NFL or else. And so, you know, um, you, you hope that the receiver position can come around next year with an entire, with the whole off season of the OTAs and training camp with the sizes of EQ and clay and uh, or Claypool and Cole and guys like that. And hopefully Darnell Mooney is on the men by the time the season starts and Bayless has come around. So, you, you know, they, they do have some pieces in place, but the most important piece in place that has to improve is, is uh, Justin and, you know, all these other numbers of, you know, Jaquan Brisker having the sacks and, you know, everything else that goes along with the season. Some of them are curable, but some of them are going to be a, a process uh, for 
Ryan and his staff. Tom, the reason the number one overall pick has such value is because so many teams are desperate for a quarterback. The Bears have one, Justin Fields. But I think that Ryan Poles now has to be pretty careful here. I, I call it being publicly vague but privately supportive. How important is it from your perspective that Justin Fields knows exactly how much the Bears believe in him as the future? Well, you know, I mean, everybody has to go out there and compete for their position. And if you need to be coddled and tell you how valuable you are to the team, you know, that that's kind of not what a, how a team is built. But every Justin has proved to all of us that he's a super tough kid. He's got the willingness to run. He studies hard. And he has all the elements that you need out of a, a quarterback that's going to be, you know, QB1 for your, for your team. But, you know, I guess – you know, if we could ever interview a guy like Luke Getze and really get in depth about how the the meetings go with the in the room of the quarterback room, are are you answering those questions instantaneously when you go back and you watch tape and try to develop the good positive habits from this offense to the quarterback position? Is Justin answering the questions and telling you everything that that you want to hear? And so, you know. Ryan, you know, being the general manager, he's got to be convinced for his future in his livelihood that Justin is the guy that's going to get this thing turned around here. And I, I think I think he is. But, you know, Ryan is in position to make that to make that call. But I do think that you you have to talk to the position coaches and the offensive coordinator a little bit and making sure that mentally he's developing along the path that you you need them to. But I do think if you get two years in the same exact system, same terminology, I think you can see Justin's arrow is going to skyrocket. You know, it's, it is it's definitely pointing up, but it's about having consistency in the system if you're ultimately going to see the best out of him. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's interesting, Tom. You say you probably need five starters out of the draft. Well, how many do you need out of free agency? They've got $100 million plus, maybe 118 What do you expect them to do? How will those two elements work together? Do you think if they go and, you know, I, I mean, I'd like to see them work on the line of scrimmage first, and that starts oh, with free agency. Yeah. 100%. 100% you know, but, you know, if I'm going to go out there – and I'm going to pay a certain dollar for a free agent, then I expect him to be a starter from the moment he puts the pen to the pad. And, you know, as soon as he's signing that contract, all right, you're a designated starter. You're going to go in there and you're going to compete for a job, but I, we expect you to, you know, earn a, earn a starting position. So I don't think you're going to go out there and buy a bunch of third-team free agents because that's not going to help you. And it's not you don't have to spend all the money you have. And if, if right. someone's going to come in here and be uh, a solid um, competitor for a starting position, then, you know, that's that's the way it's going to have to be, because, you know, this team has too many holes, especially on the offense and defensive line to get anything done if, if you don't make those two positions better. Tom, I think that people are positive, feel good about the kind of. I guess, culture that Matt Eberflus has created. The Bears competed up until uh, the Lions game. They were There was a lot to look at. The evidence of coaching was there. You can look at their reduction in penalties, et cetera. But from your standpoint, 
evaluating, a- analyzing every one of the 17 games that Matt Eberflus coached for the Bears this year. What did he prove to you as a head coach, and how far does he have to go? Uh, you know, he you know he has good control of the locker room. I think the players really have a lot of respect for him. I think if you sit here and have a, a guy that's playing for the Bears that has a buddy that's a free agent that he's you know plays on another team, I think the message out of the locker room will be positive to the players around the league. And I, I do think that's an important part of the culture change because if you have a negative atmosphere around your building, no one's going to want to come you know, within a mile of, of Hallis Hall. And um, so I, I think Matt has started to develop a culture in which they want to see around here. They have the expectations of effort on a daily basis. When he did go to training camp, he practiced the guys hard, and it didn't matter what the weather conditions were, how hot it was. You know, he would tell them that, look, we it was a hot, hard practice today, but it's going to be hotter tomorrow, and we're going to practice just as hard. So I like all those things that he has put in place. In the difficulty of trying to keep the culture of the locker room together in the midst of a double-digit losing streak, it's really hard. But so I, I, I do think that he's created um, a, a positive atmosphere within the building that guys would be encouraged to come here if they do want to you know, be a starter, if they believe they're a free agent that – needs you know needs a, a change of venue just to find a more positive working atmosphere for them i i still think that bears are going to receive a lot of consideration by those types of free agents well I, you know i i'm not arguing that i think it's going to be really interesting to see what they put together and how how that fits into the hits principle that he loves so much and all that you know what i mean like it's it's easy to coach people that are on the verge of being out of the league, it's more difficult if you're putting big money in guys' hands and asking them to to go along with the program. I mean, most will, but, you know, you got to be careful about some of the personalities if you're trying to lock it down like that. Right. You know, the hits principle, I mean, it's, you know, something that they brought in and it's talked about often enough. It's just like on the side of our Super Bowl ring. Mike Ditka has the word ace, and that's attitude, character, and enthusiasm. And whatever word you want to say that talks about the type of roster you want, there's a lot of different words that you can tell these guys and describe what you expect out of them. But ultimately, you know, it's it's gonna you know it's gonna be what what do you prove to me on a daily basis in practice and training camp, and then how do you play on Sundays during the regular season? That's you know ultimately gonna identify. The, the work habits of what Matt expects out of you, but you also have to bring in free agents that have a positive mental attitude that you don't have to, you know, I, you don't want to have a negative message in the locker room. You want to have everything inside the locker room, uh, you know, positively, you know, thought of and spoken about and, you know, having that message carried throughout. Tom, it's great listening to you on Sundays with Jeff because you see things people miss and, they may not stand out to people watching. They do to you. When in evaluating this bear season as a whole, what did we miss? Anything out there that you think didn't get enough attention that was either better than people thought or worse than people thought? Uh, you know, it's kind of funny because the whole Roquan deal, you know, there's a lot of uh, talk about what Roquan wanted in terms of money. And then 
if you had the guts to trade him, are you going to be able to still sustain value out of that position? And I do think that Nicholas Morrow came in and did a nice job. I think Joe Thomas plays the linebacker position well. Jack Sanborn came in, and when they anointed him the starter and moved Nicholas Morrow, I, I, I think the, the linebacker position benefited from it. So, uh, you know, there's there's nothing that I'm, you know, walking out of my exit you know, my exit interview today thinking, man, we are on the right track and this thing is just going to be a division championship next year. Um, you know, you just have to get guys like Braxton Jones that have to dedicate himself to an offseason to make sure he be cut, he has better bendability and he's stronger when he comes back here next next year. Um, can guys like Jatari Carter come in and c- compete for a starting offensive line position and upgrade the offensive line because of it. But, um, you know, I, I, I still would like to see the big receiver group be a big receiver group. I I don't think that I, I was kind of underwhelmed in what those guys all provided to this offense. And maybe it's as much as Luke Getzey getting to know him better and Justin, you know, having a better understanding of the passing game. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious about the offensive line, Tom. I mean, you know, you've got to get you've got to get better. And, you know, it's weird because I think that when you start considering individual seasons like, you know, Tevin Jenkins ended up being a better player than we thought he was going to be. He was going to be moved out, but ultimately with the injury, two years running with um there's something about him that that they were hesitant with. I don't know. Um, I'm just not sure how he fits in, how Larry Borum fits in. Um, Riley Reef's probably gone. Are they upset about paying white hair? I, you know, Braxton Jones got to get – he's got to spend a year or two in the weight room, frankly. I, I just think that there's – we could see a lot of change in that group. Yeah, too much drama. You know, and that's that's one thing with Tevin. And since he's been here, it's been drama with the back injury and then not practicing, not knowing what position he's going to play, being inserted into the lineup late, having a number of injuries throughout the season. And, you know, one thing about the offensive lines I've always played on, they are dramaless. And, you know, even, you know, Dick Stanfeld, if we win the game, you're not going to get any credit. If you lose the game, you're going to get all the blame. And that's just something that you have to accept as an offensive line um, and with, you know, you have the Lucas Patrick when he came over as a free agent, he had his injuries. So, um, you know, such inconsistency in the lineup and Sam Mustafer and Braxton, the only two guys that played every snap, um, you know, is, is, is encouraged as I was is about Larry Borm at one time. I'm at the end of the season, um, equally as discouraged. So yeah, they have, they have a lot of, um, you know, elements of improvement on the offensive line. And, uh, you know, Chris Morgan, I think he did a nice nice job of shuffling the lineup. But even, you know, being the offensive line coach, it would be nice if you didn't have to play 10 different, 11 different starting lineups throughout the course of the year just to gain some consistency. And to me, from where Michael Schofield and Riley Reef, when they first came aboard and I saw them at practice, I was thinking, no way, I don't think these guys can play anymore. And then Riley Reef ended up being the most physical of the offensive linemen they had, and Schofield did a nice job of playing multiple positions in, in a play's notice. So, um, I mean, 
you, you got to look to to upgrade the ta- talent, but you need a considerably less drama on the offensive line. Speaking of drama, Tom, so the pre-draft process is a long one, and the Bears might do under the name of due diligence, interview quarterbacks, evaluate the top three quarterbacks. They have the number one overall pick, so maybe they should. Waste of time or due diligence in your mind? Due diligence. I mean, there's not a guy. Listen, this is the most unique position the Bears have been in in, in a draft in, what, since the 40s or yeah, something? 47. So yeah. if, if I go out there and I am Ryan Poles and I'm the general manager and I have to make all the decisions to get this team in the division contention that gets you into the playoffs, every single stone has to be unturned. And um, I, I think they're, you know, just at such an advantage position in, in this draft. And I think you'd be naive to go, oh, we don't have to look at this guy because, you know, we're probably not going to take him anyways. Hey, you go and look at that guy and see if you can make a pick of a quarterback that in two years you get three first-rounders for him or you're just, you know, adding value to your future by looking at those types of players. I, I, I'm i a big believer, you know, unless you had some guy that stood above and beyond everybody else. If you had a Reggie White in this draft and you just saw how great of a player that he's going to be for 10 or 12 years, uh, that's that's one thing, but because of the uncertainty and the need for this roster, you got to look at every single guy in every si- single position that you know you think can help these guys immediately. Tom, I know you had a great season and you walked us through <laughs> it, so thank you, buddy. That's thank you, great Tom. Stuff. Hey, I look forward to every Monday with you guys. Hope there's more to come. Bless you. Thanks so much, thank Tom. That is Tom Thayer. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.